Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty Asia's podcast. I'm your host, Ali Rook. This interview series is a collection of conversations with people who operate, support and facilitate beauty brands doing business in Asia. My aim is to provide valuable insights and information to make your beauty brand's transition into Asia as smooth and successful as possible. This first series is dedicated to cross-border e-commerce in China, and I really hope you find it valuable. Thank you so much for listening. and welcome to this episode of my interview series. We're starting to look more into Southeast Asia and I'm excited to have Kelly Hazemans here with me to discuss uh, some of this. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Ellie. <laughs> So I give a bit of introduction on Kelly. Kelly has a breadth of experience in e-commerce in Asia, not just um, Southeast Asia, but she started off working in China for many years with trade partners and brands, um, and now is based in Southeast Asia, working um, with brands across the region. She has hands-on experience with marketplaces like Tmall and also Southeast Asia's Lazada. And um, that was, that's what really attracted me to bring her onto the podcast to discuss some of the differences between China and Southeast Asia. Um, thanks so much again. Yeah, thank you. And hello from uh, Phuket, from Thailand. Nice. <laughs> so I guess if we jump straight into it, uh, you started off your career um, in Asia at Web2Asia, which is one of the bigger foreign-run trade partners in China. Um, and what would be, you know, three big lessons from your time there for brands that are looking at working with trade partners? Yeah, so I started working at Web2 Asia in 2014. Um, I was very much uh, a student of uh, e-commerce back then. Um, and a TP is a great way to learn uh, and learn quickly uh, about e-commerce. So, um yeah, I was uh, working there, uh, work and be, I was the account manager of several brands. Um, and I think that the the kind of learning I, experience I had myself, uh, I think a lot of brands also go through uh, because you're entering a new market. Uh, so there's a lot of things you can learn, like about the cultural differences, but also about how does the uh, consumer behavior uh, is different from, let's say, in your home market. Um, so I think one of the big lessons uh, for brands or working in a TP uh, would be that it's very much when you start working with a TP, it's very much a collaboration or a partnership, as the word uh, says already. Um, so that means it's really like a two-way interaction. Uh, and I think also a lot of the success of the brands depend on how much they are committed to, you know, entering the market, but also in terms of communication and uh, devotion, they, you know, they they put into the collaboration with the TP. Um, because, yeah, like I said, it's a learning process. There's so much you need to learn, but the TP also needs to learn a lot about the brand um, because otherwise they will just, in, interpret the brand the way they see it um, and I think as a brand you can do so much in terms of 
you know, giving some background about the brand, uh, you know, brand materials. Um, um, yeah, like anything that can help the team in China or in Southeast Asia or anywhere outside your home market to understand the brand. So that would be um, one of the big lessons. Um, and I think like with that, if you are like um, open to share and um, you can kind of expect the same of the TP, because mm -hmm. I think, uh, well, after I worked in the TP, I moved to work on the brand side. I was working in Mango. And then I was working with one of the biggest agencies in uh, China with uh, Baozun and working with them um, like as a uh, like in Mango, I was the head of e-commerce. So for me, it was very important to understand, OK, what is the thought process uh, that has led to some kind of or like the decisions they make or the recommendations they make? Um, so in that sense, I think the second lesson is that transparency is very important mm -hmm. uh, so you share the the thought process how they come to decisions uh, they provide a lot of background information um, and also uh, as a data analyst I always find it very important to have the data set so I can see okay what kind of data did they use uh, use um, um, you know how did they make the analysis so you can really understand okay what how did they come to this kind of conclusion uh, and then ultimately, if if you work in this way, I think uh, then you also have like a good and trustful relationship. Um, and I think especially because you go to a new market, trust is very, very important uh, just to make sure you can rely on on the TP, but also the TP can rely on the brand to make sure that they have the stock arriving on time. They have, you know, some budget reserve to make sure that they can uh, become activated in the market. So um, yeah, so I would say then like trust, transparency and, uh, you know, uh, share and learn. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I think that's something that brands do get um, maybe sometimes a bit wrong because some brands are used to working with distributors and obviously a distributor relationship is much more hands off from a brand perspective versus a trade partner. A trade partner, you do have to be more hands on or you want to be more hands on. I mean, that's, mm, one, of the, exactly. that's one of the advantages of the model, right? You get to learn, the team gets to learn, um, you get to control, in theory, more of the direction. So I think that um, that, that is really, they're, re they're three really good good points. I mean, do you think that, you know, for smaller brands, um, you know, Mango, you had a team in China and obviously you're working with Baozun, so, so you had a big operation, but for, for smaller brands, maybe when you're in Web2Asia, you work with some smaller brands that everyone's, no one's in the market. They're all in at their home market and um, they, they don't, they maybe don't have all the people to look at the data sets and things. Is there anything else I mean, there's the trust and the partnership. So I suppose feeding them brand information, but is there anything else that smaller brands should consider, do you think? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, well, yeah, well, I would say trust definitely. Well, one thing I think it's important then uh, if you're considering smaller brands, like when you work with a TP, uh, it's important then to also mention or to understand uh, as a TP, what is the capability of the brand? 
So of course, a TP has its own goal. They want to activate your brand as soon as possible and um, you know, with the, the biggest budget possible. Uh, and yeah, that would be always uh, one way to activate a brand. But if you work with smaller brands, you have to understand then, okay, the TP is, has its own goal. Um, so it may not be the right recommendation for you or they, um, so you really have to look at your own capabilities, uh, your own profitability. So if you have some, someone recommending, uh, like, uh, you know, let's say do, let's do a big live streaming show, or let's do 50% off on this project or this product, then you, as a brand, you really have to realize, okay, what is the, can I afford this? Is this possible? And if not, you can just say, okay, sorry, but this is not, uh, we are not there yet, and maybe this is for a later stage, but now we would need something with a smaller budget or, you know, less big and maybe more focused only on online, uh, not so much yeah. offline or, yeah. I think that makes sense. I think having someone that in in the brands on the brand side that can really push back and make sure what, you know, even if you don't have someone that can fully, a team that can fully analyze everything, but having someone that's really focused on working out, okay, is this the right thing for the brand at this stage? Um, and yeah. having some understanding of the market, having, a, you know, you want someone on the team that has some understanding of the market or, you know, you, or you have a third party that helps you um, to, to manage that, I think is, is important. Exactly. Yeah. And even in, in, in Mongo, it's a big company, uh, you know, they're very much focused on profitability uh, because the goal is not to enter and then leave within a few years. The goal is really to, to build a sustainable long-term presence. So with that, you know, it, it takes time. And I think this is also like smaller or bigger brands. They have to realize if you expand to a new market, it takes time before you, you know, get some, uh, 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 popularity or, uh, you know, you gain some tracks or you grow your brand, it takes time. So definitely be patient in, in that sense um, for yourself as a brand, but also towards the TP, I would say. Yeah, that's good advice. So if we're looking at, I think this is a question that everyone's interest, very interested in, is you're looking at marketplaces in China and Southeast Asia and, you know, People that listen to this will have listened to previous um, ones talking really about the China marketplaces. But if we're looking at China versus Southeast Asia, what would you say are the major differences brands should be aware of of these marketplace, major marketplaces? Yeah. So if you talk about Southeast Asia, I think it's almost 10 countries together. Sure. <laughs> so I, I, I definitely have more experience here uh, of the uh, the market in Thailand. So you know, this this is the kind of experience I can share. Um, but so for when I just uh, moved here and started using and working with the platforms, uh, the biggest uh, difference is, I would say, um, like how sophisticated the platforms are, the e-com uh, platforms. And I think that all has to do with the size. Um, I looked up some numbers, but uh, so if you look at the online retail sales in Southeast Asia, it's uh, close to 100 billion. And if you look at uh, the online retail sales in China, it's almost 1 trillion. So that's 10 times bigger. Um, and, and this is for the whole region of Southeast, uh, Southeast uh, Asia. Yeah. So definitely the size uh, is one of the biggest uh, uh, differences. 
Um, but, but that because... also, just stop you there. I mean, that is, there is enormous growth potential for Southeast exactly, Asia. Exactly, exactly. So that is bringing me to my second point, because here they're still, they are still proje uh, projecting a lot of growth, like uh, 10 to 20% um, uh, in the coming years. Uh, so because it's still in the in, in very much in a developing stage, yeah. um, the entry requirements are much lower compared to China. It's actually also uh, cheaper to open a store here. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, there's a lot of opportunity, especially for smaller brands or medium-sized brands, because there are just not that many brands uh, here on the market. And um, I think it's always good to be one of the first, so you can benefit from that as, as the countries and as the platforms uh, develop. Um, so yeah, I think that would be uh, the biggest uh, the biggest uh, difference. Um, and then I think also if you look at the marketplaces in China, they are very much closed environments. They don't allow any integration with no. other websites or companies. Whereas here you see, for example, um, uh, Lazada, Shopee, they're all integrated with uh, Facebook, so you can also promote your uh, products outside their marketplace. Um, they also have affiliates, you know, outside the platform. So, um, yeah, it, it kind of really suits well within like the, the current or let's say the more Western um, uh, channels that are available. Uh, whereas in China, you have a lot of native applications, a lot of native um, like only in China kind of platforms where here you see it's it's much more open and um, uh, yeah, very diverse, I would say as well. And it's still at that stage. I mean, it's very competitive between the different platforms. So, I mean, if you look regionally, Shopee and Lazada are at the top rankings in terms of they're, they're across the most mar most markets but then Indonesia yeah. who's the biggest in terms of population anyway has Tokopedia which is not really in the other markets so so it's all I think there's a lot of um, potential shake-ups to happen uh, in the future in the coming years with that. Yeah, exactly. I think also there is also a lot of overlap. If you look, for example, uh, at the, as the two you mentioned, Lazada, Shopee, they do a lot uh, to to make customers move to their uh, platforms. And for example, um, that's another big difference. You still in in Southeast Asia, you have cash on delivery. Uh, now some platforms also offer you can pay afterwards or you can pay in terms. Um, so this is definitely uh, also a difference because in China you have either Alipay or uh, WeChat Pay or you just pay with your bank account. Here you can also transfer money. Um, so there are a lot of payment options just to make sure that uh, people get used to shopping online and make it very ac accessible for everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I always think is that these platforms and this market level of sophistication, to your first point, is about five, ten years behind where China is. And I think it's also not just the front end or not just the consumer behavior. It's also the back end in terms of the logistics and the delivery um, structures. I think that's also much less uh, centralized. I mean, of course, because it's multiple markets as well. Mm. Um, but a lot of these markets are very 
fragmented and they don't have the the same logistic setups that China has. Um, so I think that's also something that brands need to consider. It's, it is a, it's quite complex still. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, uh, delivery services that you can choose. So if I order something from Lazada, it you know one day it comes with the Flash Express, the other day it comes with another courier. So uh, yeah, there are a lot of different options, but that also means uh, the market is still free and open for competition, you know, among uh, couriers and among platforms. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely open and, um, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, lots of opportunity. And then what about like activation costs? I think you mentioned a bit before about it being less expensive um, generally in Southeast Asia, but um Tmall on-site marketing and live streaming is something that I work with brands a lot on and of course it takes up quite a lot of budget um de obviously depending also who you're live streaming with but how are you seeing this in the major platforms in Southeast Asia how, how are the activation costs different um well just the startup costs are lower um for example you don't have to pay a deposit um whereas on Tmall I think it starts from 100,000 RMB uh, deposit, right? Um, uh, so that that is already a big difference. And in terms of sales, it's like up to 5% commission. Um, also, if you want to join promotions, I think there's also a maximum in terms of commission they ask for joining promotions. Um, and sometimes there's some stunting with price, but um, you often still see like they make one, Thai baht uh, less in terms of price difference. So I think it's in that sense a bit less aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to activate your brand, I think uh, like for, for any brand, I would always say like, okay, you have to spend at least uh, uh, some, like let's say 50% of your budget on uh, activating your brand either inside or outside uh, the marketplace, but also work on uh, or spend budget on uh, conversion, which is more inside the platform. Um, and I think that's more like a general rule that applies to any market. Um, mm -hmm. And well, yeah, it's always a bit difficult to say how much it actually costs uh, because it also depends on the category um, and you know, like the size of the platform or anything. Um, but I would say it's like, you know, make sure that. Like personally, I always look at the whole picture of a brand. It's not only, okay, you invest in one place. No, you also have to invest very much in creating a brand, making sure that people are aware of your brand. And then when you, when they start their search about products and learn about your products, which is very much inside the platform, um, then you have to make sure that you are actually uh, on the first page of the search results. So you also have to invest in keyword search or display banners. So, you know, any market you go to, I think you have to, um, you know, reserve budget for that. And in terms of live streaming now, I think it, it's definitely also still developing. Um, it's still a bit awkward to look at uh, here because it's not so uh, professional yet. Um, and I think also for uh, local people, it's a bit awkward, you know, they, they're not used to being on uh, on camera or uh, uh, hosting these long long shows, because in China, it's very much every day, uh, the whole day, 
uh, or you have like these celebrities or big KOLs, uh, or they're, they're actually live stream KOLs, which is like a niche kind of uh, influencer, of course. But that I haven't seen here uh, yet. I think it's still very much occasionally that there is like a live streaming, um, not so professional yet. But um, like I'm personally very much an advocate of uh, live streaming. I think it's amazing because you kind of create this online experience or like let's say offline experience online because you can see the product from every angle. Yes, you cannot touch it, but at least they show a lot more details than just uh, the the pictures that you see on the website. Mm. So I, I think it's great. It's just like people have to get used to it. Um, in China, I think it took almost three years, you know, to, yeah. to become as a norm uh, and yeah. standard. And if you look at how they're doing it now in China, it's almost becoming this big, big show, big impulse buying show, which in the end is also not uh uh great for conversion i mean people will buy but then they they actually realize oh is a problem loyalty is a problem there's uh uh you know the the depth of the discounts is a problem i mean there are lots of there are lots of problems but it is definitely part of the an essential part of the mix in china you can't get away yeah. from it i mean it's very difficult um exactly you would have, you know, you and I would both advise brands, most brands, to go through the live streaming route in China. And I think um, Southeast Asia, yeah, I agree with you. It's obviously not as mature. This, it's still, but I, I, I think it will probably catch on pretty quickly um, because there's there's a model in China that that they're looking at, and I, and that's something we haven't touched on, but and people may know or may not. But you know, Lazada is heavily invested. Um, you know, a lot of these platforms are heavily invested by Chinese companies like Alibaba. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of influence um, and there should be, you know, there should be more learning. And I think the back to that point about the sophistication, just from a user perspective, the search on these on these platforms is nowhere near as good as Tmall yet. And it's quite frustrating for someone that has used uh, Tmall. But I feel like that is all to come. Um, those optimizations should come quickly, uh, which will just make more people willing to spend and buy on, on these platforms. So I think it's all going in the right direction. Exactly. Well, when I just moved here, coming from China, like being used to uh, having this very fast delivery and a super algorithm that recommends you all, all kinds of great products uh, and having these live streaming shows. Moving here to Thailand, it was definitely a bit of a change because you do have to wait a bit longer for your products arrive. Um, you also see less customer reviews. Um, I think so the platforms have to develop, but also the customer behavior. And I yeah. think of course, these platforms are doing everything to to make that happen, and they make it very easy to shop online. Um, and then being one of the first brands here, I think that that's always a good uh, moment to enter the the market, let's say. For sure. And I think a lot of brands that are now entering China wish they did it five years ago because they, it would have been much easier to get the sales. Um, the sales. Yeah. I think sometimes it feels hard no matter what stage it's at, but definitely Southeast Asia now there's there's a good opportunity for a lot of brands in a lot of categories. Um, so, yeah. So the exactly. other thing I think I wanted to ask you about, which is interesting compared to China, is how do you see the role of websites like brands.com sites in Southeast Asia? Because in China, that's mm -hmm. something that 
most brands have uh, not done. A lot of brands have not done. I think in the fashion space, maybe more brands, but in beauty, very few brands have mm -hmm. their .com site. They rely on the marketplaces. So how do you see that for Southeast Asia? Yeah, it's true that in China, I think the, the go-to strategy was like you go directly to Tmall or uh, nowadays maybe some brands only, they go straight to TikTok uh, to Douyin. Um, so it's true like the .com is not really existing um, or not that developed yet or so strong. But here, I think first you had the .com and then the platforms came. So the... Um, how do you say the, the timeline is a bit different and for sure i think in china people would uh, want to have their dot com to be stronger uh, just because it's so much more profitable and you can make up your own rules um so here i think brands are are definitely focusing still on dot com mm. and uh, being outside of china there's also facebook you have instagram google of course so there are a lot of um uh, different platforms where you can either direct to your uh, .com website or to your Lazada or Shopee store. Um, but I think because of the profitability and um, it, it's still very much important or it's still important. Um, and also because uh, there's still some doubt and uh, mistrust about the platforms because, you know, sometimes they're they're fake. And if you have your own website, at least uh, customers will know, okay, it's a hundred percent authentic. This is the, like the brand website. So it must be hundred uh, percent yeah. uh, authentic and real. So that definitely helps to, uh, to establish yourself as a, as a international brand. Like it's really shipped from abroad um, and imported to Southeast Asia. Uh, so this can really help to, you know, establish yourself as an authentic brand. Yeah. more than in marketplace. Something that is just easier in Southeast Asia is the fact that most of the, and we touched on this already, but most of the platforms and the are in terms of marketing platforms are the same as the West. So you know you've got you've got Facebook and Instagram. Of course, you have Line and you have WeChat to a certain extent as well in certain markets. But it's 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 more accessible for brands or more under, easily sort of understandable. Um, and I think, yes, to your point, any brand would prefer to have their own traffic coming to their own site that they can analyze and look at. Um, but I still think that the marketplaces are only going to get stronger. Um, it's a pure convenience thing for consumers. Um, and of course, they make the shipping easier. There's different options. They mm. subsidize it in certain ways so it's cheaper. There's a lot of advantages to that, I think. I think one thing from my perspective that the platforms need to get right is they need to be better with, for their customers. So they are like China, you know, the customer is basically always right in these situations and you get a refund at the drop of a hat or whatever it is. Whereas in Southeast Asia, certainly in Indonesia, that's not the case at the moment. It's still more, more in the merchant's favor, but that will change as well and as that changes and it becomes very e even easier for consumers to purchase they will gravitate more to these to these marketplaces so whilst i think com is a yeah i think it's if you can have it there available for people to get that information but expect the sales to continue to be stronger on well start to be stronger on the platforms yeah it's true. Uh, like I know brands, they are just on the marketplaces because of the convenience and especially because of the payment uh, methods I mentioned earlier, because 
as uh, if you have your own .com website, you may not have all the um, technology to, you know, make customers pay afterwards or uh, pay in, in, in terms or in parts. So, and I think now also customers are getting more and more touch points. So they will look for you on the uh, marketplace and then see, okay, what's the price here or how can I, uh, can I collect points here? You know, what is the best way for me and more, yeah, let's say uh, the most affordable way to shop. So then I think it's just good to be kind of everywhere, uh, including marketplaces and .com. Yeah, makes sense. So I guess to end, what are a couple of pieces of advice for brands expanding into Southeast Asia from an e-commerce perspective? Um, some pieces of advice, I would say, I think um, if you enter the market here, um, you may like you still need you you need to invest uh, quite heavily in the customer service mm -hmm. um, because I think the the customer here a bit similar to China like they 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 love to bargain or they they want to have uh, the price difference uh, returned to them uh, they are quite savvy in that sense like they will look where is the where is the discount and why is it not being offered here. Or they will say, okay, I have my shoppy points. I would like to use them. Uh, is it possible uh, to pay, you know, on this platform rather than the other one or the .com? So there's still a lot of interaction um, with the customer service also to make sure, especially if you are a foreign brand, you know, to understand is this real? So you can show, okay, we are 100% authentic. Uh, you know, maybe they will ask for certificates or anything. Um, so a lot of the conversion is still driven by the customer service. Um, and, and that's just really important, I think, in the whole of uh, Asia. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think uh, another uh, good advice is like you have to, of course, focus on the uh, local language um, to offer services in the local languages. Uh, here, for example, it's Thai, but uh, there's also uh, some demand for English languages so you have multiple languages within one country um so uh, yeah i think that's also important to realize that uh, of course the bright materials need to be translated to local language um, um and i think another point is that um still because e-commerce in general is so labor intensive a lot of the cost will go through uh, staffing, having a team or, you know, having someone uh, to help you with the operational part of uh, launching your brand on uh, e-commerce platforms. Um, I think still a big uh, share of the cost will go to staff or operational work. Um, mm. And yeah, so I think. Well, and another thing is like if you you also have to if you have to ship your products to a new country, you have to understand, OK, how will this affect my cash flow? Because mm -hmm. you do have to make uh, sure you have some budget reserved for uh, activating your brand for marketing. Uh, and of course, if you have to ship uh, big loads or containers like this will uh, heavily affect your your cash flow, of course, especially if you're a bit smaller brand. Um, so yeah, you have to think strategically about that. How how can you you know keep the cash flow going and uh, maintain your stock levels at the same time? 
Yeah, I think they're they're all really, really good pieces of advice. I think the customer service one is something that is very different versus uh, Western markets. I mean, I've forgotten the statistic now, but the percentage of sales that need to be um, that need to be assisted by customer service in China is huge. Like it's way over. Mm. Um, everyone wants to have a little conversation about something to your point either yeah <laughs> it's uh how does that look or is that cat like very minor details but it's really essential and obviously if you have a trade partner then they will manage that for you but it's equipping the team back to the original point equipping equipping the team with um enough information about the brands about the products for them to be able to answer convincingly um, I think that's a that's that's a really good really good point. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just like this, just to get uh, this assurance that okay, there is someone they, they can help me. It's authentic, uh, you know. And sometimes the coupons are also that they are uh, that the platforms provide are so complicated. <laughs> they just want to make sure okay, it's working. It, this is the uh, like, can I even get more discount? Uh, and still, yeah. there's a shipping fees you yeah. need to pay for. So, yeah, if you can, even a small discount is is uh, something uh, worth trying for. Absolutely. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for this. It was great. Yeah. And I think it should definitely help brands that are looking at um, Southeast Asia as a, as an opportunity. And I know that you work with brands from an operational perspective in the market on the e-commerce side. So I will obviously put your details below and people can uh, connect with you on LinkedIn if they want to find out more about what you're up to. So thanks again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I think we, we could have extended much more. I think it's great to uh, talk about and uh, Southeast Asia is definitely uh, upcoming. So yeah, if they like to learn more, they can either look on my website uh, from iBoost online or check uh, my profile on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and uh, share more details. Super, I'll, I'll add both of those below um, on in the notes. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Clean Beauty Asia, the podcast with me, Ali Rook. I hope you found the content useful with tips and tricks and takeaways that can really help you move your China journey forward. I always like to hear from my listeners, so please join me on LinkedIn, Ali Rook, or Instagram, Clean Beauty Asia, and I'll be very happy to talk to you more. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.